I'm thankful to be back in Houston. Lisa and I went on vacation for spring break, not knowing how difficult it was going to be to get back home. And when this SOS call went out across the land, I prayed about a specific word from God for the second family. God led me to a most familiar psalm, not knowing if I'd be able to return and, and speak this to the congregation. I found a small warehouse and a local film crew there on the island of Maui at a little town called Waku on the backside of nowhere. And I stood up there, opened the Bible, and just taught what God had laid on my heart. It was timely for me then, and how timely I think it is for you and for me at this moment in history. It was the perfect place and time and way to share what God had placed on my heart for just such a time as this. I hope it speaks to you and your family as thousands of us worship together online. Listen, I think God will speak truth in this moment of extremity, which is always God's opportunity. In my lifetime, I can never remember a worldwide timeout. It seems like that all the world has backed up, has gotten quiet and still because those things that we counted on to support us, to give us security, seems to have been moving away from us. And as this coronavirus continues to spread, we wonder where it will go. How long will it last? How many people will it afflict? And the answer is, nobody knows. And in the presence of this great mystery, so many people who have never looked up are now looking up. And so many people who once looked up are now beginning to look up again. When I was a freshman University of Alabama, I just lived like any other freshman would until an older student asked me sort of out of the blue one night. He said, do you believe there's a God? And I said, Walter, sure, I believe there's a God. He said, you don't live like it. I said, what do you mean? He says, I'm an atheist. I live as if there is no God and you live exactly the way I do. Then he said, don't you have enough sense to know if there is a God and you can know him and he brought you into this world. He has a plan for your life. Let me tell you something. That made me mad. But at that moment, God found me in days and weeks that followed. And suddenly God became very, very real and vivid to me. I'm praying that this will happen to a lot of people all across this world. As we run into problems we cannot answer, we run into an illness that we do not understand. So it's a moment for all of us to be still and know that God is God. If you've never known him, look up. He wants to know you. If you've known him and wandered away, look up. He wants to get to know you again. As we read the Bible, I guess the verse that everybody in the Western world knows is John 3.16. It's the best known verse in all the scripture. But runner-up is a passage we call the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. And I think in third place, you'd have to talk about 
Psalm 23, the great shepherd song. It says, the Lord is. That's where you start. No argument about whether there is a God or there's not a God. It's just that the Lord is. Like in Genesis, in the beginning, God. And David in that shepherd song says, the Lord is. Do you understand that? that God is there and God is real. But somebody say, well, I don't know what God is like. I don't know what he wants me to do. We can look at Jesus and see God fleshed out. But yet a lot of people still question God. What would he say to you and to me at this moment in the history of the world? A family of six were on an airplane, spring break, the father and mother and four children. And they scattered out in the back of the cabin and the father was seated with the youngest child, the mother with the next youngest child, and the next oldest child was seated with five-year-old Tommy. And they said, let's all go to sleep, and everything was quiet. The, the engines were humming. And as they were going to sleep, little five-year-old Tommy said, Mommy, are you there? Yes. Daddy, are you there? Yes. Time went by. Tommy said, Mommy, are you there? Yes. Daddy, are you still there? Yes. And this went on three or four times until finally a businessman who'd been traveling for a couple of days on planes trying to get some sleep, and little Tommy said, Mommy, are you there? And he said, Yes, Mommy's here. Daddy's here. We're all here. Let's shut up and get some sleep. Hush over that part of the airplane. And finally little Tommy says, Daddy, what's that? God. Some people have the idea that God is so overpowering and belligerent and, and just speaks boldly and directly into our lives. But so many times, and I trust while we're taking this time out, we'll hear that still small voice. The psalmist says in the 23rd chapter of that great, great book, the Lord is, what is the Lord? What is he like? He is my shepherd. Now, I love that personal pronoun, my shepherd. David knew what it meant to be a shepherd. He began as a shepherd. And he is saying simply this, if the Lord is your shepherd, the next verse says it, you shall not want. It says you have everything that you need. Think about it. If you let the Lord Jesus Christ be in charge of your life, shepherd your life, zip, you've got everything you need everything you want. It's all listed there in the rest of this powerful 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. First of all, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, and then he leads me beside still waters. What is that saying? If the Lord is your shepherd, in spite of all these moments of extremity, you can sleep. God will give you a green pasture. You'll have security. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He provides a way for me to lie down and have peace in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Now a sheep, and that's who we are in this parable, in this story, a sheep will not drink out of fast-moving water. Why? Sheep can't swim. <laughs> if they get in water with all that fleece, they drown. And therefore, they're very skittish. They stay around, they stay away from any water that's moving. But a good shepherd finds 
still water so a sheep can go and drink deeply. So here's the picture. When Jesus Christ is your shepherd and my shepherd, we have peace when we lie down. We have water that supplies us. Sheep can rest when they are safe. Sheep can rest when they are full, they have all their needs met. Sheep can rest when there's not conflict in the flock. Sheep can rest when there's no problems on their body. This is what the psalmist promised to those who allow and invite Jesus Christ to be the shepherd of their life. I shall not want green pastures, still waters, and then there's a little verse there that says, he restores my soul. What does that mean? Soul is a synonym for you. It's a synonym for me. It's everything you are and everything that I am independent from our physical bodies. So he restores our soul. In the figure here of the sheep, sheep would sometimes get cast. Have you heard the phrase, a cast sheep? This means that sometimes the biggest and strongest and healthiest sheep they get out in a rocky area, and they turn over, and they roll, and they find comfort. But sometimes they get into a little indentation in the rock, and they get on their back, and they're cast. They can't get up. They can't scramble out. And unless the shepherd comes and lifts them up and pushes them out, they will die there as a cast sheep. In this time of extremity, I wonder how many of us feel like we're flat of our backs. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. We can't see all the danger there. We can't understand all the virus that is about and around us. We're cast. And this is when the good shepherd will come and whisper to you and speak to me and say, hey, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to get you back on your feet. That is the miracle of the grace of God. I will restore their soul. And then he says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. What does that mean? When we're in the flock of Jesus Christ, he is our shepherd. He leads us in the right paths because his reputation is at stake. His name is on the line. Well, how do you know what God wants you to do? When you're in his flock, he tells us. Jesus says, I know my sheep and they know me. And when I call, they come. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and we get counsel from others who are in the flock. We get counsel from God, and he speaks truth into our lives, into our heart. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and those who are the called according to his purpose. And therefore, we know how to make good decisions because the shepherd is in you and the shepherd is in me. And he gives us guidance for his name's sake. He helps you and helps me to make wise, godly, super choices on big things and in little things all the way through our life. If we're part of the flock, if we are following the shepherd for his name's sake. Then he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice he doesn't walk around the valley. He doesn't walk, you know, bypass the valley. He doesn't stop. He walks through the valley, the shadow of death. And many people today are fearful of that valley 
Because I can tell you something, we all are going to graduate from this earth. That doesn't surprise anybody. But we walk through that valley when Jesus is our shepherd. He said, yea, though I walk, they though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, fear no evil. Why? Because the shepherd is with us. The shepherd is with us. And a valley is like a tunnel. You go in a tunnel, it's dark, but there's light at both ends. And though the shepherd is with us, what can he do? <laughs> and, and the psalmist says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What is that rod? I'll tell you, it's about three to four feet, piece of wood, heavy wood. It has a knob on the end of it. And they would drive nails down in that knob and the shepherd would keep it tied to his waist. And when any kind of varmint would come, any kind of prey would come, the shepherd could take that and use it as a powerful weapon against even a lion or a wolf. And therefore, when the sheep would see that kind of power in the hand of the shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep, he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear anything because you are with me with your rod and with your staff, the, the shepherd's crook. We think of that with a shepherd. It's about eight or 10 feet tall, usually has a crook on, crook on the end. And it was that rod that would touch a sheep when he'd get out of line and point it in this way and guide the flock. So in the middle of that valley of the shadow of death, and some of us think, hey, I may be there in this corona epidemic. We know that he is there with us, protecting us from any outside forces. He is there with us, guiding us and speaking to us in the middle of the darkness of that valley. So yea, though you and I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're fear no evil because the shepherd, thou art with me. Thy rod is there powerful force. Thy staff is right there, comforts me. When the sheep would go in the fold at night, the shepherd would take that staff and put it down, and they would walk under the staff, and the shepherd would feel of that sheep all over the sheep's body, and to see if there's any problem there, anything going on there. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. When the sheep would go out to graze, the shepherd would go ahead and see if there's any parasites there, see if there's any holes there, see if there's any problem there, to see if there's any poisonous weeds there. So when the Lord is our shepherd, we go out, and one translation of the Bible says, a six-course meal is prepared for us. We're safe and secure. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Whatever else is going on, he is there with us, He's prepared a meal for us that's out of this world. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy, and then thou anointest my head with oil. Go back to the sheepfold. The sheep are going in. The staff is placed. They go under. They feel it. And the good shepherd abundantly anoints the sheep with oil, takes out any problems, any scratches, any disease, examines every sheep as they go in the fold every night, as they pass under that staff. Oh, thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. My goodness, ample oil. Not a little bit of oil. A good shepherd has ample oil for all of his sheep. That's you. And that's me. 
And that's that healing balm that he gives to his children. Anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I'm abounding in the abundance of his his provisions. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And then we have surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What is the picture here? The shepherd's out in front of the flock. We're sheep in the flock. And there's two collie dogs there, sheep dogs. Goodness and mercy following us, keeping us in the right direction, heading where the shepherd is leading. Listen, folks, that's how to live. That's how to live abundantly, whatever your circumstance, whatever my circumstance, whatever problems, challenges, addictions, inequities we have in our life, bitterness we have in life. We have the shepherd out front. We have goodness and mercy following us all the days of our life. What a beautiful picture. And then the final word, the psalmist says, I will dwell, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now forever sounds like eternity. It's a long, long time of abundance in the house of the shepherd. For years, two Christian men would go to the Welch Mountains and they would hike and camp out. It was sort of their way to get back in shape with them physically and with the Lord. And one year they were hiking, they encountered a young shepherd boy, teenager, had a flock, and they engaged him in conversation. They walked back the next day and they met him again. And they realized that he knew God, but only through nature, through the stars and the moon and through animals. That's all he knew. And so they began to tell him about the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And finally, they introduced him to Christ, and he accepted Christ and became a Christian out there in the wild Welch Mountains. And they said as they left, remember this, these words, the Lord is my shepherd. Hold on to those five words because you as a shepherd, you know how you take care of your sheep. Let me tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ, you've invited in your life, the men told the young man, he will take care of you just like you take care of your sheep. A couple of years went by. These two men were in the same general area and they saw a little house there on the side of the mountain and they went in to get some water and the couple there said, come on in and sit down. And they did and they saw there on the mantle a picture of a boy and they recognized him and they commented and it says, is that your son? And the parents said, well, you, there's no way you could have known him because last winter he was looking after our sheep snowing cold and he went out to bring them back in and get them to safety and he fell over a cliff and no one could get to him for a day or so and and he was dead when we arrived and they explained to him how they'd introduced their son to God and to Christ the really good great shepherd and explained to them how they had taught him those five words in that little verse And then the father said, then that explains what we never could understand. When we found his body, he was already dead. But with his right hand, he was holding tight on that fourth finger of his left hand. The Lord is my shepherd. Listen, make sure in this crisis that you and I know that 
The Lord wants to be your shepherd. He desires to be your shepherd. Surrender your life to him. Let him run your life. He'll do a better job running your life than you will. Every single time, he will shepherd you and shepherd me all the way through life and all the way through every crisis, whatever form it takes, a virus that we can't see, or mountaintop problems we can see, he will shepherd us all the way home if you let him become your shepherd. Wherever you are right now, will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, all of life is filled with mystery and doubts and questions and confusion. And Lord, we do not understand what you're doing in our world in this gigantic timeout in which people are afflicted with a virus that we do not understand. But yet, Father, we know that this is a moment for a lot of us who have wandered away from you, wandered away from the flock, to come back home and say, I want Jesus Christ truly and genuinely to shepherd my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I want. Lord, we know that when we allow Jesus to shepherd us and we're in his flock, we've got everything we need plus. Our cup overflows. If you're there right now and you're listening to this prayer, if you never invited Jesus Christ, the shepherd of life, to come into your life, would you pray this prayer after me? Dear Father, I have wandered away. I want to come home to you. Right now, I confess sin in my life. I turn away from all known sin and rebellion and selfishness and trash in my life. Right now, that's right, pray it. And right now, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. I give him my hands, my heart, my mind, my feet, my body, everything I have and everything I'll ever be. That's right. I give my all to you. Come into my life, Heavenly Father, and become my Lord and my shepherd. I need you in this moment of fear and doubt and questioning but I also, Lord, need you when I'm on top of the mountain and the sun is shining and everything's going my way. That's right. Come and shepherd my life. Forgive me. Take me into your fold, into your flock. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I can tell you something. You see, if you've never been in, in the flock where the good shepherd Jesus is leading, this is a new experience. If you once felt you were in the flock and you've wandered away, this is a time to come back home. And we'll help you grow up and mature and become a part of a Bible teaching and a Bible believing church. And I want you to join me each night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. or even 7 a.m. Monday morning on our website for a daily devotion entitled Good News. It'll last about five or six minutes. So go to second.org. Click the Houston Courage button, Houston Courage button, and I'll see you there Monday morning at 7 or Monday night at 7 as we have a time of looking to the Lord, a time of devotion together.